It's time for Dodger baseball. The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off the Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV Sports. Welcome into another edition of Off the Air, the legacy of WFUV Sports. I'm Andrew Galata alongside Kayla Wenzel, and we're going to be joined today by Joe Bono. He's currently the host of PT Isles podcast for SB Nation's Lighthouse Hockey. He also runs the NY Isles blog and at Isles blog on Twitter. And then in the real world, he is the senior vice president in IT risk and control at HSBC. So definitely wears a lot of different hats. And then formerly, he did a lot of work as well. He was a Fox Sports radio correspondent, Sirius XM producer, and then fill-in play-by-play announcer for the New York Dragons. So he did a lot of, to me, very interesting roles throughout his career, and then also at WFUV as well, which I felt like this made this interview very unique. Yeah, he really takes us through his whole career. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's going to be really interesting to hear about how he has moved from all these random different jobs, all these little pieces in sports media, and then to his real like day life job of working in IT. And so I think that his perspective is going to be very interesting and especially having his own podcast, it'll be interesting to learn about how he got started with that and really what made him make his own podcast that's something that's so accessible to any of us really right now and so that'll be really interesting to hear about just the process of getting there and how fuv really helped him in his career yeah i know for sure especially because he's done so many different roles as you said like he was jumping around a lot and like how does fuv help him in that i thought that was definitely really interesting and i can't wait for everyone to listen to the interview so i think we're just going to jump right into it and uh, talk with joe This week on Off the Air, Joe Bono, a 2004 Fordham graduate, Bono began his career as sports manager and a play-by-play broadcaster, calling Fordham basketball and football, while also hosting WFUV's one-on-one. After his time in the Bronx, Joe served as an update anchor and producer for Sirius XM, providing two-minute drill updates on Sirius NFL Radio and producing the channel's college football show, Between the Hash Marks. In 2006, Bono became a PR assistant for DKC, completing public and media relation tasks for clients including ESPN Zone, the USTA, New Balance, and the Tiger Woods Foundation. Joe also worked as a correspondent for Fox Sports, where he voiced live in-game updates for New York sporting events, including the Mets, Yankees, Giants, Knicks, and Nets. Currently, Bono is the host of PT Isles for SB Nation's Lighthouse Hockey and operates the nyislesblog.com. Here's the Off the Air podcast with Joe Bono. How you doing, Joe? 
I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much uh, for uh, for thinking of me. I've been watching from afar and and uh, very happy that you got so far down the list. I was able to able <laughs> to join you. That's great. We're very happy to have you. And I kind of want to go back all the way to the beginning. And just I wanted to ask you, when was the first time you knew you wanted to work in the sports media industry or, you know, or at FUV and stuff like that? So massive sports fan growing up in Brooklyn and like a lot of WFUV broadcasters probably had muted the TV in your childhood bedroom and done play by play. I think growing up in New York, you had Marv Albert, you had Bob Murphy, obviously Gary Cohen. So you had some, you know, legendary sports broadcasters. You know, if you weren't playing basketball in your backyard when I was growing up and, you know, yes, and it counts, you know, and do that uh, on your own, um, you weren't really a fan. I knew I wanted to kind of work in communications and, and journalism, but I actually started off going to Lincoln Center and commuted um, my first, my freshman year at Fordham, and I wrote for The Observer. So that's kind of where I felt like I was going to go and I didn't know a ton about FUV. I know right now people may come to Fordham for the purpose of working at WFUV. I didn't really know the legacy and the history behind it. And my sophomore year, I started thinking about maybe wanting to go on campus and, and live, live away from my parents and move from Brooklyn to the Bronx, as long as I could come home on weekends to get my laundry done <laughs> and uh, get a meal. And uh, Frank Mentesana, um, who also was a big part of WFUV. He was a year younger than me and he went to the same high school as me. So he told me as I'm a sophomore and he's a freshman, I'm like, hey, can I come up and kind of experience campus life? I'm thinking about maybe transferring up to Rose Hill. He goes, yeah, you can come up, but I just have this workshop thing that I'm doing, this radio thing I'm checking out. It's the first time this guy Dave Sims or someone is going to be doing a workshop. I'm like, I know who Dave Sims is. He's like, yeah, so a bunch of common, I'm sure you could come along. I'm sure it's not a big deal. And I got completely hooked. Um, I went to that first workshop and Dave Sims was there, met Bob Ahrens for the first time um, at that at that class. And, you know, they talked about all the things you guys have heard, you know, the art of play by play, painting the word picture. You know, I think Bob said, you know, Ed, can anyone describe the room? You know, I raised my hand and I said, it's a square rectangle room with 12 desks and, you know, square lights above us. And Bob will be like, what kind of lights? Fluorescent lights, mm. LED lights. And um, met Bob afterwards, and, and away I was. And that's how I got involved with FUV and started off really on my sophomore year. So what was one of um, the first assignments that you got on? Like, what were the first things that you started out with? And then how did you work your way all the way up to um, sports manager? So the first thing I ever did was come to cut highlights for a Fordham football game. Andrew Bogus was the play-by-play -play announcer at the time. And uh, Fordham had a really good team, uh, football team, the years I was there. So I cut some highlights. But our first really big assignment was, you know, Bob had talked about that, you know, he'd go, guys, we do stuff. He would say things like that. And uh, if you were willing to maybe on your own dime uh, go to an event, they can get you credentialed. So myself, Frank Mentesana, and Rich Savino, who works at MLB Network now, um, we all got together and said, hey, we'd like to drive down to Florida and cover spring training for the Mets and Yankees. This was the uh, 2002 season. So we drove down in my parents' 1989 Chevy Caprice. Uh, we stayed with uh, aunts and family of mine that was down in Florida. We spent three days with the Yankees, spent three days with the Mets. And I interviewed Roger Clemens and Mike Piazza and Bobby Valentine and Robin Ventura, who 
I was a big Mets fan, but he was his first year with the Yankees. We got Brian Cashman that, uh, that trip. We got Steve Phillips. We did a great job and sent back everything to Bob. So that was my first really big event and first time being in a locker room uh, with professionals. And it was really good to do that in spring training because it's a more relaxed environment. So you can kind of leave, you know, in the fifth, sixth inning of games, they'll allow you to go, at least they used to allow you to go into the, um, the locker room and kind of had an opportunity to really just go right up to players and get a three to five minute interview with really not much fanfare or hassle. Uh, so that was a great first experience for me. Yeah, that's awesome for, for first time. Um, what, what would you say uh, one piece of advice for underclassmen would be at FUV or really any college to try to get, you know, more involved? Because obviously just at FUV, like, you know, all the seniors, all the juniors, they're doing all the play-by-play and that stuff. But maybe as a sophomore, what's one thing you would do to try to get more involved? I think you want to have a wide range of skill sets. So just because I wanted to have be on air and had those aspirations, that didn't mean that I didn't become the a producer of one-on-one or do phone screening or learned how to be a board operator or um, be the on-game insight, on-site engineer. Um, you know, I remember I listened to Mike Yams off the air that you guys did with him. And he referenced the trip to Ole in New York with St. Bonaventure uh, that season. And I was on that trip. They needed a volunteer and I volunteered, had never done the engineering on site before, but I got to go for six days and spend time with Andrew Bogish and Mike Yam and kind of watch them and see how they did and went about their business. And I knew I wanted to eventually be in their shoes. So, you know, volunteer, put yourself out there and always ask a ton of questions. I asked a ton of questions, of course, about with Bob, uh, who was really my first ever mentor in life. Um, but a ton of questions to Andrew, a ton of questions to Mike Yam was very inquisitive and prepared for whatever workshops were happening. And we got, you know, Marv Albert was there. Bob Costas was there. Gary Cohen came back multiple times. Kenny Albert, you know, I, I made sure I, I made that time valuable, even if I wasn't yet the person um, at my junior and senior year that was the play-by-play announcer. And I think you guys, this generation with uh, the advances in technology even have more opportunities and be able to do that for more sports. Um, so put yourself out there, stretch yourself. You'll never know ultimately where you'll find your home. You know, I know Tom Winter, who was a year younger than me, ended up, he was our behind the scenes guy. He was our, he was our engineer and ended up being an investigative journalist for NBC, doing on-air work, writing. Um, we've had others like Rich Savino, who I mentioned, who is a play-by-play on-air guy, but a producer on TV side for MLB Network Um, and you know guys like Nick Costos who wanted to do play-by-play really wasn't his thing ended up being a producer now found his niche with gambling so well that sounds bad but you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) he found his niche uh, niche, uh, doing doing what he's doing now on radio.com so uh, just kind of cast a very very wide net and you will find your way. So you talked about producing versus on-air and engineering, and I see that you've done both. You've been a serious producer, but you've also mm. done um, Fox Sports as a radio correspondent. So I kind of dabble in both. I do both produ- um, production, normally when we're in studio and on-air. So what is something that is your favorite? Which one do you prefer to do? I, I actually really enjoy both. And you know, the podcasting I do now on the Islander side for Isles blog, and that's kind of been you know, the thing that I've wrapped my time around um, in my kind of post, you know, paid for professional life working in broadcasting after I did that for seven, eight, nine years. Um, because 
it's up to me to to find the guest to make sure that someone is uh, interesting, that it's a, a very time relevant or interesting listen for our audience. But then I also get to be on the on on air side of things. I think producing, you know, I think you could be a lazy producer, and depending on the situation that you're in with your host. Maybe it's not that much, you know, that you dial up the same two or three people over and over again, bring them on the show, go with your ins and outs of the commercials, and that could be it. But you can be really creative and maybe stretch yourself and go after certain guests at certain times if you come in prepared and you're very focused in on what the stories of the day are and bring those stories to the host and say, this is what I think is a hot button topic that we should be talking about and not let it just be kind of free form wherever the host wants to take it. So the producer could play a much bigger role if he or she really wants to. Um, and then the Fox Sports radio stuff, correspondent, that kind of went away. Um, I, I think the internet killed that job a little bit uh, because I was a pretty much a stringer. And uh, you guys may know the history of, you know, um, you know, New York sports stringers that went to the games, they sat in the press box, and then they would get sound after the game, send them out to all the outlets. And my job for Fox Sports Radio was doing in-game updates, which you really don't need anymore, right? You don't necessarily have to go live to the stadium to hear, you know, what the score is of the giant Eagle game in the, in the first quarter. But we did that. And then when I, then my responsibility was kind of producer like I used to be able to, uh, they paid me more money to actually get a guest on afterwards than they did for actually the on-air updates. So I'd have to kind of wait and wait and wait uh, and ask uh, an, a star of the game to see whether or not they would jump on live with the uh, radio host back for Fox Sports Radio for a few minutes. And if I got that, I got $75. <laughs> if I didn't, I went home with just 50 And uh, you know, that's, that's the way that went for a long time. I used to do that for baseball as well. And between the Whitestone Bridge and other tolls, and then paying for a meal at Yankee Stadium. If I didn't get the guest, I think sometimes I uh, ended up losing money covering the game. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Um, you mentioned Bob Ahrens earlier, how he was your first real mentor. Do you have any favorite memory with Bob or was there one area that he really helped you in when you were honing your craft? Uh, the best memory I'll say was over the course of several days, which was, I'm not sure if um, either of you have yet been able to go, obviously with COVID, it, it got canceled, but the trip to Cooperstown. And I knew that was always a special trip. Um, that was a great class as well, because it was Gary Carter. So as a Met fan, Gary Carter, Eddie Murray was in that class who also played for the Mets, but obviously known for the Orioles. And then Bob Euchre got the Ford C. Frick Award that year as well. And Bob had connections with a gentleman named Merle Harmon that he used to be a spotter for back in the day when he used to be in the booth for Jet Games. So we were able to interview Bob Euchre prior to going to Cooperstown and talked about the movie Major League and his time on TV and what he's done with the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast. And that was a big thrill. Um, through John Cirillo, who you may know is still a professor at Fordham, Johnny Cigar PR, uh, he was doing the PR for Gary Carter at that time. And I was able to get a 15-minute one-on-one interview with Gary Carter at Gallagher Steakhouse. This is all before we go to Cooperstown. And then you have that great weekend um, on the golf course, interviewing Hall of Famers, spending time with Bob, spending time with, I was with Ben Schrader and Rich Savino, um, you know, setting up um, at the Hall of Fame, doing a live show. So that, that kind of trip is one major memory. But there are so many moments. I mean... Bob would walk me out back to my car or his car. And then the conversation would go another 30 or 45 minutes at his, at his, at his door um, because he just never stopped teaching and, and, and mentoring and learning. And I think what's, 
difference between a teacher and a mentor is at a certain point of the relationship, you need to be willing to have an open, be an open book and be willing to hear any criticism as well. And know that Bob has your best interest in mind when he was saying those things, it was to make you better, even if you didn't understand it always at that time. Um, I didn't do everything right. I was 19, 20, 21 years old, just like you guys, and you're going to make mistakes and have lapses in judgment or, you know, maybe put up an ear of arrogance or I know what I'm doing occasionally. Um, but he never lost patience with myself or any of any of us as well. And then also I went back to him many, many times um, after after school when I was trying to find my way and whether or not I was going to pursue this full full time hard or if I was going to make it what I've made it, which is something I do creatively, hobby-wise, make some money on the side, but not my primary job. And I was really wrestling with that because I felt like I was giving up or, you know, I was disappointing people by not keep on pushing to see if I could, you know, take it as far as I could. And he never judged me or never held me account to it and always just was an open book and listened. And uh, that was great. And I mean, just to show you the level of relationship Bob has with um, past students, you know, he was at my wedding. He was at a lot of, he was at weddings of friends of mine who I attended. It, was, it meant that much. He was like a family member that you would want there. When I, when I graduated, the day before I graduated, I got my first post-college job working for the New Haven County Cutters. They were part of the Cam Ann League, an independent league team. And Bob came up to New Haven, Connecticut. He drove there and sat next to me as I did the middle innings, listening to me. And then we went to commercial. He would, you know, give me a little detail, slide me something. I mean, who does that, you know? And, but, you know, I think for a long, long time, uh, the group of FUV students really was the lifeblood for him. And it kept him going, kept him in a sense young. And uh, it's fantastic to be able to reminisce and connect with people that you don't know personally that have come after you or before you. It's kind of the linchpin. And that's, uh, that's what's been so special about Bob for so many years. Yeah, he sounds incredible. I've only ever heard good stories about him. He, I came a little after his time, so I didn't ever get to really work with him, but I've only heard great things about him. Um, and so kind of in this life lesson vein that you got from Bob Ahrens, I'm kind of wondering what is the greatest thing that you think you picked up from working at WFUV that really has stuck with you throughout all these different paths and different careers and different points in your life? Um, I think it's a, that life is about relationships in a lot of ways. Um, and the relationships I formed there they opened doors for me right after college um, with positions that serious and other things. And every job I got in radio and even every job I've gotten in the financial world that I do now was built on relationships. And, you know, um, you know, I got a job at Sirius because Mike Yam was there and he put in a good word for me. I got a job with Fox Sports Radio because I interned at MLB.com and Seth Everett uh, was the host there. He couldn't do a job one weekend because he was covering major league playoffs and he gave me a chance. Um, and I've seen so many other people kind of pay that forward as well. And um, the camaraderie of FUV students and the overall staff has been so strong that years and years later, you call anyone that had that FUV background, they'll do anything for you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something specific to sports broadcasting. They'll help you in several different ways. And, uh, you know, you make sure you treat everyone fair, courteous to everyone, treat them the right way. And, uh, you know, that'll come back and, and pay dividends, I think, for you. 
Um, it, probably the one thing I probably, for those of you that are still in school and maybe have an option, Mike Breen came to us one time when I was a sophomore and I hadn't yet declared my major. And he said, if you're, if you are at FUV now, that is what you are majoring in when it comes to broadcasting and communications. So I would recommend majoring in something else, communications or something else. And he, I did not take that advice. I ended up, um, you know, majoring in communications and I probably wish I would have uh, done something else or maybe had a business background or something else. So uh, maybe that's a piece of advice I wish I would have listened to that I did not. Um, just one more thing. I mean, I know that um, you're the, uh, you were the sports manager and it's like, what is that, you know, relationship break like, because obviously you're still a student and, you know, you're still obviously really young in your career, but you're kind of like the boss, you know, with everyone else. Like, what is that dynamic like? Uh, was it an easy transition for you? Like that type of stuff. Yeah, that's interesting, right? It was the first kind of like authoritarian type role. I think my legacy might have been setting up the first FUV fantasy football draft. <laughs> <laughs> might have been one of my bigger accomplishments. Um, I think, you know, we had a good group, but we were friends. But there were times where that line between, you know, the friendship and also being the sports manager of that group, you know, occasionally you had to say things that, you know, they maybe did not want to hear about whether it be shifts or the conditions they left things or the quality of their radio cuts when they brought them back or, um, but, you know, I think what the value was and why I wanted to do it is I knew that it was going to get me into a, a more of an inner circle, uh, which it did, right? So I had a I got more time with Mike Yam, who was the sports manager a year ahead of me. And then I got a lot more time with Bob when more time with Bob meant more time to learn. So while there was the, the aspect of kind of being the person in charge or whatever that may mean of, of the group um, to make sure that um, things are going the way they are and people are holding firm to their responsibilities and accountabilities. I also knew that that was going to get me more time to, to learn and absorb and, and be more opportunity and have more opportunities. Um, so that was, and then I remember um, it was a great legacy of people that have been sports managers when we had the celebration for Bob. I don't know how many years ago it was now. Um, they had a list of all the sports managers and I was very proud to be among uh, the very uh, accomplished sports broadcasting names that were on that list. Well, so kind of now moving out of your time from FUV and kind of into your after college years, I see that you worked at like various different jobs, but one mm -hmm. that particularly struck out to me was the AFL New York Dragons play-by-play -play, sure. um, announcer. And so I kind of want to know a little bit more about that experience. How did that come about? And did you like it? That's, I mean, no one really talks about the AFL that often. So I'm Yeah, it's kind of, you know, been defunct and kind of came back a, a few different times. And this kind of goes back to relationships. So Peter Schwartz, who's still a sports anchor on the New York scene, great guy, right? And he was one of those guys that was in the press box when I would cover Met games, Yankee games, Jets and Giants, et cetera. And we built a relationship. And um, he was the play-by-play -play announcer for the New York Dragons. And they ended up striking a deal with MSG to broadcast a certain amount of those games on TV. And Peter being the great guy that he was said, recommended me to the vice president of communications for the Islanders and dragons, Christopher Botter as someone that can fill those shoes. So I went to the Coliseum. I did a demo by myself and ended up doing three games 
for the Dragons uh, during that uh, during that season. Uh, one um, at the Coliseum on Long Island, and then I got to travel twice: once to Columbus, Ohio; once to Austin, Texas. And uh, the games were on Radio Disney. Bob, of course, listened, called me right after the game was over. And, uh, you know, I can say that I did play by play for a professional sports team. I got to I got my I got to be on the plane on the wasn't a chartered plane, but I got to be on the plane with the professional team. I got the stipend uh, from the team on how much money I could spend over the course of the weekend. Uh, so that was you know, that was a great experience. I had I had moments over the course of my post-college career that I could have pursued harder. And this is, you know, so I did minor league baseball my right after college. I had an opportunity and job offer to do double A baseball with the Connecticut Defenders. And I also um, had another opportunity to do women's college basketball um, as well. Both times I turned it down. And I remember seeing Gary Cohen, who was covering and broadcasting for Seton Hall basketball at the Big East tournament. I was there covering it for Fox. And I told him that, you know, I had gotten this job offer from the Connecticut defenders. They were the double A team of the San Francisco giants. They were up by like Foxwoods resort and casino in Connecticut. And I told them, well, they, you know, they wanted me to do three, three innings and no traveling on the road. And it was only going to be $700 a month and there was no board. So I didn't know how I was going to figure that out. And he said, Joe, if you turn that down, you just may not really want it as bad as you think you do. And you know what? He was right. Ultimately, I, I, the lifestyle of what it would required to do that job, the nights and the weekends, is a very different type of lifestyle. Your, everyone else's leisure time is when you are on and when you are working, nights, weekends, holidays, et cetera. And there was always something in the back of my head that wasn't sure if I wanted to go down that road. And ultimately, I ended up kind of pivoting and doing something else. And, uh, and that was okay. And, you know, I have plenty of very close friends that were either at FUV with me at the time I was at the school, or I knew, like Ryan Rucco, who just came in afterwards, that have done great, great things. And, you know, some of you may go in a completely different path. Um, and there's a voice inside of you who goes, what would have happened if I would have went further? But, you know, you have to make sacrifices, to kind of succeed in this business. Some people will happen very, very quickly. Other people are going to be waiting very, very long. And you have to be prepared that if it takes longer than maybe your mind wanted it to, is that the lifestyle that you want to have? If it is, great and continue to do it. If not, there's plenty of time to find a different way. And um, I'm actually in Gabelli and like trying to weigh between like the business and, you know, sports broadcasting and that stuff. So maybe, a, you know, a little more personal for me with, with your journey and, you know, when you maybe made that pivot over, you know, to the business world, like, uh, how did you do that? Like, how did that come about? Like, um, was there any like specific thing that like, oh, I want to do this. And that kind of grew into your job. Yeah, not, not really. So I, um, again, relationships, I, I, I started working full-time in sports public relations. Cause I still was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to do in rate sports radio, uh, maybe I want to work on the sports business side of things. And we had John Cirillo and Joe Favorito and these guys that were great publicists that had Fordham pedigrees as well. I worked for John for a while. I covered a lot of boxing events, got to go to Vegas. Um, was, I was in the ring, you know, like HBO does the uh, post-match interviews. I was in the ring getting quotes, um, trying to get myself on TV for like a half a second maybe um, before I did so. And then I worked for a company called Dan Clores Communications. And I was there for about a year, also working in sports PR. 
and I was not making a lot of money. And I think I was making 29,000 and I was going to get promoted that year to a junior account executive. And they were going to raise my salary to like 32. <laughs> and I was like, and like, I'm an Italian kid from Brooklyn. So like, it was okay to be living at home with your parents after college, <laughs> but not forever. So I started getting little anxiety about that. And I had a, a my, one of my, one of my good friends, author, uh, he was working at Morgan Stanley at the time. I was just talking about them, about how I was kind of worried about, you know, how was it going to kind of make, you know, better money working in this, how long it was going to take to do so. And uh, they pretty much said, this guy's good attitude, good work ethic. On the interview, I told the person at Morgan Stanley that I had taken one business class at Fordham. It was a macroeconomics class and I got a C minus <laughs> on it. I was a communications major, et cetera. But I told them, but I'll work really hard. I'll come in with a good attitude. And it was a contractor position, which is not a full-time position, but within six months, they converted me to full-time and uh, I was on my way. And honestly, the communication skills I learned just at Fordham and FUV helped me every single day. Like if you want to be a leader in anything, you got to be able to bottle up a message and to talk to people. You need to be able to explain things to your team members. And then you have to be able to manage up to the most senior management within, a, within an organization to explain them clearly and concisely what it is they need, how to deliver it, et cetera. So, you know, some of the things you're going to be learning at FUV, whether or not you're doing sports broadcasting or not, that's a skill set and intangibles and, and things that you're learning that uh, the competition is not going to have and that you could use to your advantage. Yeah. So talking about um, your job and your kind of day job, but then your creative job on this side, mm -hmm. how did you get started with your podcast? How is that something that you yeah. determined that you wanted to do. So um, the Islanders overall, no, I'm not saying anything that you don't know, don't get a lot of national media attention. Sometimes they don't get a lot of local media attention, especially in you know the years that they were not playing very well. I mean, that's changed in the last two or three seasons, but you know the Islanders were a non-playoff team or a first round and done team for many, many years. A lot of times the New York Post or Daily News would not even send a beat writer there. So there was always a a craving amongst Islander fans for more content because there were so few places to get it nationally. So um, the Twitter account at Isles blog um, belonged to someone named Connor Moore at the time. And he put out a tweet uh, back in like 2014 that he was looking to expand his content and he was looking for podcasters. Right. I emailed him. I gave him my professional resume. I, I sent in, you know, clips of me doing uh, on air on-air play-by-play and on-air interviews, et cetera. And he called me up. He was like, I really wasn't expecting to get like anyone with professional experience, you know? I was <laughs> uh, like, yeah, sure, you can do it. So I ended up doing that podcast for Isles Blog. Connor ultimately didn't want to uh, keep up the account. I took over the account in 2015. So the Twitter account now has 14,000 followers. We do the podcast every single week. Um, I'm now part of Lighthouse Hockey and the SB Nation podcast. They actually send me a check um, once a month for my podcasting duty. So I can say I get paid for this stuff now. And, uh, the Islander fan base is a really tight group of, of, of fans and Islander and Islander and hockey fans overall are pretty hardcore. If you're a hockey fan, you're, you're a hardcore hockey fan. There aren't many fair weather ones. So the level of engagement is off the charts. And I've been able to do a lot of really cool things. Um, certainly we've been able to get great guests in terms of ex players and the, announcers and you know guys like Jiggs McDonald who I grew up listening to and old players like Mick Vakoda and Rich Pilon and and um, many other Islanders and other national TV and radio um, hockey broadcasters and uh, even a few years back 
I was selling merchandise, Islanders merchandise, and it was the last year of the Coliseum before they came back to the Coliseum. And we came up with a great charity uh, item called It Happened at the Coliseum shirt. And we raised over $30,000 for Make-A-Wish Foundation um, with the help of the Islanders getting on board with that. Um, so that's just, been, that's just been kind of what I've been able to do. It's a little bit tougher now. I got a, I got a two and a half year old and I got another little girl coming uh, in Aww. June. So um, I don't see a lot of first periods these days. It's usually bath time, um, <laughs> a little bit harder, but I've still like last night, we just recorded one, you know, from 10 to 11 o'clock at night. And my wife thinks I'm absolutely crazy to keep on doing this stuff, but I, I can't, I can't quit it. And uh, I'm really proud of what we've been able to build. And uh, it just, it just, you have the ability to have a voice and find relevancy with the way social media is set up. And you don't have to, and I don't, I, I have not been kind of a, I don't say exaggerated things. I don't say terribly um, controversial things to get noticed. I just, I'm very consistent with the type of content I put out there, try to make it smart, try to make it witty, try to be able to touch on the past while talking about the present, bring on interesting guests. And you build a, over the time, you're going to build a following and people become loyal to that following and you kind of become part of the fabric of what, uh, what Islanders have been able to do. So um, I, hopefully I can do that for many, many more years. And if I'm not doing it myself being on air, I want to definitely be kind of part of something uh, that uh, continues what I've been able to, when I, what I've been able to build over the last five or six years. One more question before we sign off today. I, I just wanted to, to ask you if you have any more, one more piece of advice for someone uh, entering the sports media industry. I think my advice would be that you need to be patient. Um, it's a subjective business, as you guys know. Um, and a lot of it is luck. But at the same time, there's a great branch rookie quote, the, the general manager of the Dodgers who brought in, brought in Jackie Robinson. He said, luck is the residue of design. And you got to kind of have the hard work and the opportunity and eventually those things will converge. Um, I think there is, and even I look back at my own story, I think back about at 25, 26 is when I really started to say, I think this isn't moving quick enough for me. I need to move on. I think that was probably too fast. I don't think I realized how much time I had to kind of maybe switch things and still have a very productive career in doing something else. So if, if you come out of school and you're not Ryan Rucco right away, um, you know, you're not even starting to see guys like Justin Shackle, like he's got a really interesting story and in what he's doing. He, you could see he's still, it's building for him. It's still building, still waiting for that big, big thing um, that hopefully happens for him real, real soon. Um, you know, Andrew Bogish is another one where he's been extremely like patient, still working at doing his play by play thing, but he's an anchor on CBS sports radio. Don't, if it's something you love and you know, you know, in your bones that this is the field and what you want to do, that you want to make something you love, be what you do for a living, be patient with it. And um, again, I think, think to yourself, what type of lifestyle do I want? What concessions? Cause there will be ones that I'm going to have to make. And if that fits for you, just, you know, stay down the steady path, I think a little bit longer than maybe you first before you want to kind of get out of it. Um, because I think you're just one big break away from, from taking an opportunity and take it, taking it much, much further. So that was Joe Bono, the host of PT Isles on SB Nation's Lighthouse Hockey, also does numerous other roles as we talked about uh, in the interview. And I, I just thought 
Joe had so many interesting things to say about so many different topics from his experiences at WFUV, where he got to like go down to spring training and talk to Mike Piazza and go to Cooperstown and get to interview a lot of people like that is just so cool for me as like a really big baseball fan. And then also going into when he left FUV, all his different roles and even his possible regrets. I thought that's just an interesting lens that maybe you don't always get to hear. So to me, listening to it, someone that does both, you know, I'm in Gabelli School of Business and also do FEV, it was really nice to hear that perspective as well. Yeah, I thought it was especially intriguing to me because I have my own doubts about if I should go into the sports media industry and if this is something I should pursue full time. Um, and so it was just really interesting to hear his perspective. And it was nice to talk to somebody who struggled with the same things and who was going through the same kind of stuff that we are right now um, at FUV. And it's always great to hear a Bob Aaron story. I mean, love hearing about him. It's so much fun to listen to all of these people on Off the Air, just to talk about their experiences and hear how WFUV really impacted them. It's just, it makes me feel like I'm a part of something so much bigger, you know, and it just, really shows me how important these years at WFUV really are for our futures. Exactly. And, you know, you hear those Bob Aaron stories and like, I mean, I feel like everyone like from that era has one and, you know, it has a unique one too, which I think is really interesting. It's not like the same old story. It's always something different. Like I think Joe said that Bob, he went to one of his games in the minor league when he was calling play by play, like that's just awesome. And then, you know, he talked about all the different connections he made at WFUV and, how that helped him not only, you know, right out of he went out of college, but then also in later jobs as well. And like, as you said, hearing that perspective, just like about if he was going to, you know, transition to business, kind of how his support system helped him through that. And just like, even though like Bob Aarons or um, I think he talked about Gary Cohen as well, even though they're in the sports industry, like they had his best interest, even if he would go into sports. So I thought that was especially interesting as well. Yeah, I loved hearing about the support that Bob Aarons had for him, even as he went through different parts of his life as he was deciding whether or not to stick with working in the um, media industry. And it was also fun to hear about his time in the AFL as a play-by-play announcer. And it was, he just had such an interesting perspective. And I actually really loved talking to him. This was so much, such a fun interview. And it was just so much fun to hear about his life and his career and where he is now. Yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely an open book, and that's really appreciative. I think for people listening, you know, especially like that, our, our, our age and looking to go in the industry, like saying all the different things. And like, you kind of hear like that real world, world perspective. He's like, oh, well, I was right. also a credentialed play-by-play announcer. Like, that's so cool that you get to, you know, say that. Uh, so it was definitely really interesting. I got a lot out of it. Hope you did too, Kayla. Yes. So, and all our listeners as well. But I think with all that said, I think it is time to wrap up the show. So for my partner, Kayla Wenzel, I'm Andrew Bellotta. Hope to be back soon on another edition of Off the Air, the legacy of WFUV Sports. <laughs>